0: Hello and welcome to BizPod. On this week's episode, we're chatting with George Caponeros, founder and head of marketing at GK. We discuss e-commerce, entrepreneurial burnout, and managing people. Enjoy. Oh, how how have you been finding business recently?
1: Uh, It's actually going surprisingly well, to be honest. So maybe it helps if I speak a little bit about my background so that Certainly. Everybody has context. I used to be the marketing director for a fairly big e-commerce company called Div Brands. Uh, And I was managing a fairly big team and I was doing a a whole number of things. So when you are in a role like that, which is to put it bluntly, a little bit cushioned uh, because you have a good salary, uh, you have... Status from a certain point of view, it can be a little bit scary to start something of your own. No, so I was I was worried uh, whether it would make sense. I I actually opened up an agency again, giving context. Uh, yeah. So I was worried: will I find clients? Is this the right time to do that? You know, COVID and everything is making situation even trickier than than it is usually. But it's been going surprisingly well um i'm still figuring things out i haven't grown a big team but i do have a lot of partners and contractors i work with and i am getting clients which is the most important oh, thing
0: you know yeah and uh, i i don't know uh, if you've seen this i know we've seen this uh, being a media production company um with just everything locking down there has been such much uh so much more of a demand for digital and people prioritizing you know having a good digital face almost Uh, i don't know if that's been the same for yourself in the e-commerce world absolutely i think
1: um let me put it like that i think e-commerce adoption has grown by a decade due to covid Mm. so e-commerce is growing very well i mean obviously not every category, right? Um but like for for the most part and in general I think it's it's going very well. For me personally I work with clients in the apparel space and the health space. Health supplement space to be more precise. So those oh, those those two things seem to be working out fine.
0: Oh, wonderful. And yeah, obviously, you've, you've been doing this for a good while before uh, within all of other companies and stuff like that. How did you kind of get into this space originally, because you came from, you studied political science and international relations, am I correct? So that how was the, the leap into the, the kind of e-commerce and marketing world for you?
1: Hmm. So the way I like to think about it, or the way I like to sell it, I guess, is that what I studied is marketing on a macro level. Political science mm. is, is, is communication just like marketing is. So I don't think they are as divorced as you might think. That being said, my first role uh, was in a company, a small startup by people from Procter & Gamble. Uh, it's called Smarter Chains and I was doing content marketing for them. This was a very lucky experience and if by chance we have somebody listening to us that's just getting started on their career, I would strongly advise that they do work with experienced people if they can in their first few roles, because this mm. gives you a foundational knowledge uh, upon which you can build. Um, so yeah, I I had the opportunity to work with people that was that that I was actually working with the former vice president of global manufacturing of uh, Procter & Gamble, which is, you know, he was uh, quite somebody, you know, Mm -hmm. and this gave me a lot of, um, it it made me think the right way is how I would describe that. Um, Then eventually I moved from that role to Div Brands which is the company I was previously before starting my own company. I started as a copywriter in Div Brands. I discovered what's called direct response marketing, which is marketing that aims to get a sale. Mm. Uh, and I worked in campaigns as a copywriter. I was producing copy for ads, for pages, for, for, oh, in, in a digital context. Div Brands is an e-commerce company uh, that owns multiple e-commerce stores. The company grew very quickly uh, and I had to grow with it. I Hmm. joined, I think, as the third uh, contractor. And when I left, the company had over a hundred employees. And that growth happened in three years without, without investment. It was all based on the performance of our own marketing. So as you can imagine, that was a bit of a cultural shock for me because I was basically an entry level marketer when I joined and I had to keep stepping it up and keep stepping it up and keep stepping it up until I was eventually managing a fairly big team. And as I said, the role I left, the title I had when I left was marketing director.
0: Oh, incredible stuff. And, you know, it's very clear when looking at your current website and the direction that you're going, you know, is directly, you know, about getting that direct response. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of companies, whether it's in marketing or um, a lot of those kind of supporting uh, businesses, um, you know, they can get a little bit muddled up and, you know, the kind of grand picture. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people are just, you know, looking to try and maximize their sales uh, or find a new audience, which, you know, gets neglected somewhat.
1: Mm. In my opinion... In my humble opinion I should say because I, this is, I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> uh, I, I think people that don't understand direct response should and direct response people that don't understand brand marketing also mm-hmm. should. I think there's more overlap between the two worlds and I find it frankly quite idiotic that they are so divorced because if you see at any effective company and by effective, I mean a company that's you know, in a multi million range, then corporate elements of both. You can only get so far when all you do is sell, 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 right? Mm-hmm. It can give you traction early on, but eventually you need to grow out of it. Similarly, branding and positioning and like visuals and all those things that are normally associated more with the brand side of things all those things are beautiful and they have a lot of impact and they can obviously take you towards the right direction because it actually they actually give you a direction in the first place Um, all those things are meaningless if you don't have a business that makes financial sense so the sales part should always be there those two worlds are are or should be closer
0: than they are, I think. Yeah, and, um, you know, that kind of, kind of tying that into the marketing aspect is incredibly important where, you know, I think there are a lot of people that, you know, they'll maybe put out adverts, let's like, say they're, you know, selling cars and, you know, they put out some adverts and it gets, you know, a, you know one new person inquires and, you know, it's like a very uh, poor ROI and then, you know, you look at the adverts, it's like, okay you know you are trying to sell yourself here this just isn't good (laughs) or Mm. you know we need to kind of contort this in a way to you know actually you know almost like a call to action in many ways
1: Mm. Mm. I agree
0: ah yes and um yeah so obviously you know you've went ahead you wanted to go and start your your first kind of company what was kind of you know you're decided you want to do this what was your kind of first steps in kind of taking this next big entrepreneurial leap for yourself
1: so, um, I think I always wanted to, to have my own company. Mm. Um, I shouldn't be saying this, probably, <laughs> but I feel like I'm a very bad employee. <laughs> <laughs> because th- there are always things I would like to do a little bit differently. Mm. Now don't, don't get me wrong, I've, I've been blessed, and I really mean the word blessed to work with some very open-minded people. People who are very smart, very experienced, and I've I've certainly learned a ton. But as I said, I always wanted to do this thing or that thing a little bit differently. So I figured that the best way to do that would be to actually start something of my own and start doing things I wanted to do but didn't or couldn't. Mm. Uh, so it was intrinsic in a way. Um, I, I I always wanted to do things my way, uh, in a way. That that that's by far the deci- decisive factor, I would say. Mm. Obviously, there are other things as well. When you own the company, you of course shoulder the risk, but you also of course have the majority of the benefits.
0: Yeah. Um, and um, yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you know, it's kind of, and I love, I love kind of having a, when I had a wee look for your website, because there is just such a, a sense of personality. Like you can, you know, I, I get a sense of the person that's running this and what's behind this. And, you know, coming into this, was there any kind of key aspects of this market that you were like, you know what, this has been done fantastically before, but this is how I want to put my spin uh, on this kind of industry?
1: So, if we zoom out a thousand miles up, what we will see in the e-commerce space, and I'm not just saying this, I know this for a fact, uh, e-commerce companies are not really making a lot of profit,
0: Mm.
1: they are making a lot of revenue, they're growing very fast and very well, but they don't keep the money they make. And the reason for that is that they basically play what I call the acquisition game. They throw as much money as they can on advertising. They try to get as many new customers as they can, and they don't pause and think whether the numbers make sense, whether the experience they're giving to those customers is good enough so that they will buy a second Mm. or the third time. So my, spin on things or so my focus, I should say, and it, this is not unique to me by any means. I'm not saying that I invented this way of thinking. My focus is retention first marketing. I basically want to help them play the long game as I call them. Yeah. Um, and what this entails is um, less short sighted marketing that both sells, but also delights and builds a brand, but also makes money. And the way I introduce that to my clients is through email marketing. That's just Mm. the tip of what we do, Uh, but the rest comes organically as we build a relationship with the client and it it goes into advertising and more strategic things.
0: Um, And yeah, I I do really like that, Kelph, idea that, you know, you aren't just about, you know, just throwing more money at, you know, the issue of, you know, getting uh, your clients more sales. It is a thing about doing it smarter, kind of optimizing the process uh, and basically just getting uh, more sales out the traffic they've got. And, you know, if you want to put, you know, more advertising towards that, you know, obviously uh, now with more optimized uh, system, that'll be fantastic. But, you know, you may as hmm. well optimize what you've got for the moment, eh?
1: Absolutely. That's, that's exactly how I see it as well. And look, there are some kinds of businesses that should be playing the acquisition game because if you're selling German refrigerators, you're not going to get people to buy again and again that often because they will only buy once, right? So, um, Even so, even so, you still need to have uh, a retention marketing set up. Uh, in, 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 in in the example I gave, maybe it doesn't have financial goals for the most part. Maybe it has the goal of building a feedback loop with your customers, getting their feedback and then feeding mm. that feedback back into your product development. So the, the, the general point I'm trying to make is that spending money on ads is... No, it is enough. I don't want, like, people do make money on that. There are dozens of companies that just throw money on the wall and they like, make a little bit of profit. But this will, it will work decreasingly well as time goes on. And the smart people are those who realize that and try to do things that are less short-sighted than that. Mm.
0: Yeah, and... I guess it is generally just an entire thing of, um, you know, basically helping the the clients at the end of the day stop wasting as much money uh, and help putting it where it really belongs. And um, I was wondering if you could walk us through, because I saw you um, chatting a little bit about the growth gap analysis, uh, which... If I'm correct in saying it's very much that idea of, you know, looking at, um, you know, these companies and, you know, figuring out where it could be optimized and streamlined overall, am I correct in saying?
1: Yes, that, that is exactly what it is. It goes into finances and it goes into the performance of specific channels, for instance, email. What this does is essentially it compares what happens this year with what happened last year. And how did that uh, change? And how does that compare to the overall industry benchmarks there are? Mm. So that's basically it.
0: Oh, fantastic! And um, yeah, you know, um, obviously very important. And you know, um, I was just wondering. Obviously, uh, you mentioned sales, and I feel like uh, I've noticed especially in you know the marketing world where. Uh, we operate, you know, a lot of people. You know, they focus in on all these new exciting uh, emerging technologies, TikTok, uh, Instagram, etc., etc. Um, but email is an incredibly powerful tool, especially if it is kind of more long form. How have you you found kind of convincing, uh, you know, your clients to kind of jump on this and really take advantage of this kind of great form of communication? I think that most
1: people do use email, so it's not so much about convincing them to start using it. It's just about opening their eyes to the possibilities it has. Mm. Thankfully, there are companies like uh, Clavio, for instance, who is a partner of mine, or Privy, is also a partner of mine, uh, that are doing good, great work uh, getting this information out. Um, I, I'll say a number which is not—I'm not just pulling this out of thin air. It's true. Email can be up to thirty or forty percent of e-commerce's total revenue, which is huge. Mm. It's huge. So, and anywhere you look, you will find statistics like that. The ROI is forty to one. The ROI is wow. thirty-eight one, something like that. And usually, it's just about showing this to people, and then obviously having some proof that you can deliver on
0: that. Incredible, and um, yeah, uh, kind of overall, as um, you know, having started the company and having been so intimately involved and seeing the growth that kind of occurred with Diva Brands. What's you know how how are you looking at the future? How are you feeling about where you're wanting to go in the direction um, you might want to take things?
1: Mm. I think what's uh, most important for me now is to start building a a bigger team. Um, mm. I think the role I will hire next is a uh, a designer because I'm no designer and. Uh, I, I, you really need somebody that has a strong design sense. If anyone's listening and they'd like to, to work with me or learn from me, reach out to me on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> um, having a bigger team obviously means serving more clients too. So I, I, I think what I'll continue to focus on is growing the company really, uh, not mm. nothing special there. I mean, I'm also launching a little podcast of my own with one of my, it's going to be in Greek. It's with one of my local partners here in Athens. Oh, very nice. Uh, The theme is going to be a little bit edgy, a little bit sarcastic. Our goal is to (laughs) make Greek digital marketing great again, basically. Um, So we'll start on the offensive, (laughs) but I think it's going to be worthwhile because there's a lot of poor work being done. So we'll see how it goes.
0: Oh, incredible. I wish you the best of luck. And uh, if there's anything we can help with, do give us a shout. Um, awesome. Kind of obviously, based in uh, Athens and Greek at the moment, uh, how do you, obviously, a lot of your work's international, am I correct in saying?
1: My work is almost entirely international.
0: Mm. Uh, and yeah, how, how do you find that? Do you enjoy being able to you know reach out with people all over uh, the world?
1: I mean, I have been doing that for a number of years already, so it's nothing you know new to me at this point, but I do feel blessed to have the opportunity. I've worked with people from all over the world um, and I do keep in contact with many of them. So it's nice to know that when COVID passes, you can go here and there and have friends to, to hang out with for sure.
0: Mm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I sympathize that with that a lot, because obviously you're in a, a very similar to ourselves at NACA Media, where, you know, kind of founded and got started during, you know, the lockdowns and uh, kind of the year of COVID as it continues on to 2021 now. And um, yeah, how, 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 how has it been?
1: That? Oh, they, I asked you the same thing. How has oh, it been for you?
0: <laughs> yes, it's um, it's been interesting. You know, we get asked uh, a couple of times of like, oh, how's it changed things, which obviously we don't have that baseline, but know, it's had its challenges, and um, you know, we've been, you know, figuring out how to, you know, create stuff at, you know, far from our clients, and you know, using, footage in very dynamic ways, working around, um, you know, filming people in more safe and distance ways. But, you know, it's been it's been interesting, and you know, we've managed to get our feet, uh, set in, you know, this tough environment, which you know, I think only fills us with excitement for where we could be in the next coming years, which um would be very nice. How, how about yourself, George? Uh, well, I mean, I'm
1: a little bit of a recluse anyway, so <laughs> I, I stay at home a lot. But I mean, what I will say is that when you don't have the option to you know, go out and grab a drink, it's very easy to get overworked, which can be annoying because you, you have nothing to do, so you focus on work. Um, so if, if if I would say one thing is that Keeping it balanced is key. Like, do some push ups, do some yoga. I don't know. Um, A trick I like to use uh, to not go crazy during lockdown is that I use time blocking on my calendar. I do Mm -hmm. that proactively. So I will say that, okay, this time, this day, you will do uh, like some exercise or you will watch a movie or a documentary or listen to a podcast and this kind of helps me keep sane um, because otherwise it, it can be tough I, I, as I said I'm not a hugely extroverted person but even if you're not if it has been going on for a year then it starts to get a
0: little bit annoying <laughs> yeah and um, you know there, it's a real shame I feel like uh, especially you know You know, on in movies and media and TV, there is kind of that dialogue of you know, if you're starting up your own business, you basically need to to burn yourself away, (laughs) uh, put your head to the grindstone, and you know, uh, burn out basically. Which is it's a real shame that that's built up. So I I love that you're kind of building in systems to basically look after yourself because it's incredibly important in this kind of environment where uh, I think a lot of you know new business owners are almost incentivized to work really hard. Do we allow swearing on the podcast? Um, A little bit. (laughs) Not (laughs) traditionally.
1: I mean, I'll just say that I think that this kind of thinking is BS. Uh, Mm. you don't need to kill yourself or I, I call it struggle porn. Uh, you don't need to struggle to, to run a business. I mean, what most people don't do is they don't prioritize things correctly. Uh, and they don't make a plan. If you have a plan and you prioritize things correctly and you actively consider the many roles you have in life because it's not just that you run a business. You might also be a husband. You might also be a father. You might also be a son. If you keep that in mind, then you you can certainly find room for those other roles. Um, In my opinion... And again, in my humble opinion, extreme work ethics are a sign of inefficiency.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you work from, from morning to night, then you're inefficient. You, you shouldn't be doing that unless you are, I don't know, the, the Pope, the President of the United <laughs> States. I don't know. If you have huge responsibilities on your shoulders, then maybe, okay, that's fine. But for most of us mortals, I don't think that's, that's necessary.
0: Yeah, because you, you get into to really weird spaces where, you know, it's like you may be uh, rich and successful as an individual, but in time and, um, you know, re- like quality of life, you can be poor in other ways, hmm. uh, which, you know, it brings up the question it's like you see some people that have, you know, started businesses that I can think of, you know, a couple names off the top of my head, which I shan't say, but, you know, incredibly successful and, you know, I look at their stuff and I'm like, wow, you've done great for yourself, but... You know, they've not left time for themselves i'm like oh that doesn't seem like a happy life
1: <laughs> um one of my mentors I'll, I'll name drop somebody here um uh his name is david hensel he has i think 10 companies
0: wow incredible. and he
1: yeah he does find the time for that so i don't buy into that oh i'm too busy i don't have the time for it you are not organizing things correctly uh, for the most part. And I don't want to be judgmental because I do it too. I also overwork myself. I also poorly manage my time sometimes or not organizing things correctly. It happens. But what's important is that you take a step back, see that, recognize that and then work on fixing that uh, instead of just living a life that's not enjoyable. For most of us, and perhaps uh, you you can tell me your own experience, Anton. Starting a company is partly because we want more freedom, and partly because we want more control over our lives.
0: Abs Absolutely, you know. At, at the end of the day, you know, making your your kind of ma- taking that initial leap, there is a, a degree of you know making some degrees of sacrifice, more so at the start than uh, during the kind of long term. Uh, you know, to you know give up, let's say, the stability of a good job or um, you know, you know, even a financial one, maybe paying yourself less in the, the early days as you get started, and you know, you see some people, especially you know, as they grow and you know, they might have a company that's you know, finally let's say making a hundred and fifty grand a year, doing fantastic for themselves, but they're they're still not paying themselves properly, uh. Yeah. And I think people need to look after themselves a, a lot better, and you know, realize that you know, at the end of the day, you're it isn't just uh you sacrifice everything and there's a company you're a part of that company and you know that company should look after you and you know your team
1: a good way to think about it i think is this sometimes some of us um, run away from bad bosses it's mm. important to not be a bad boss for yourself <laughs> <laughs> because this is what most of us do like we are not nice to to ourselves i think that's yeah. a positive message that we were discussing now hopefully people can relate to what we're saying. I think it's important oh. that these kind of conversations happen.
0: Oh, absolutely. There is um, definitely some kind of toxic ideas going around the, the idea of business. Um, hmm. you know, I remember seeing an article, and it was the idea of um, you shouldn't eat on your lunch break because you want to set an example for your other uh, employees. And, you know, just awful ideas um, th- that float around. But um, I'm, I'm glad to hear, you know, you've been doing good at both looking after yourself and the the people you've worked with. And obviously you're kind of successful in managing a a team uh, when you're with Diva Brands. How did you kind of learn uh, like any kind of lessons throughout scaling up to that opportunity?
1: You mean in terms of managing people?
0: Indeed, yes. So uh, I
1: probably started managing people before I should have, if we are honest. And I made a lot <laughs> of mistakes, so I'll, I'll focus on the mistakes I made. I think that's more useful for, for our listeners. The natural tendency most of us have when we are in a position of quote, quote, power is to treat people in a way that would feel nice to us. So you might think something like, how would I want to be managed? I want somebody that would do this and that. And then you do something like that. Now, that's not good because you are not like other people. (laughs) People are different. Uh, So the mistake I did, I'm a little bit of a high performer, meaning I like being good at what I do. I like pushing myself. I like learning. Mm. I'm always curious. Not everybody is like that. Uh, And when you treat everybody like that, the only thing you do is you make them stressed. And when they get stressed, they don't perform, they actually underperform. So the biggest thing I learned is this. You should be treating people in a way that makes sense for them, not in a way that makes sense for you. And there are multiple ways you can go, about. there are. Personality tests, there are assessments, there are all sorts of things. Uh, what I would recommend, if it's feasible in the context of who, whoever's company, is that you do have people to do a personality test. There are some paid personality tests that are quite inexpensive yet quite um, illuminating in how others work. And you will find all sorts of interesting insights. There are people that get very, very stressed, but they won't show it. There is a trait in personality theory. There is a trait called neuroticism, um, which has two subcomponents. One of them is volatility, and another is withdrawal. Um, what I'm talking about now is the Big Five personality theory. This is how it's called, and it's actually a proven uh, scientific model of personality. Anyway, those two subtraits have to do with how you handle um, negative emotions essentially. Mm. And what I found is that people have, like there are people that don't show bad emotions essentially, they hold it inside and then they explode. And if that's somebody you manage, you should be aware of that because they won't give you the impression that they're stressed and they will eventually explode. So that's one thing I learned. The second thing I learned is that it's, and I was quite bad at this too. It's quite important to communicate clearly what needs to be done, Uh, Mm. what may seem, Intuitive or obvious to you is not going to be intuitive or obvious to somebody else, and this has nothing to do with how you know how smart or experienced somebody is. This has to do with the level of context they have. Um, when you manage people, you, and unless you are the owner of the company, you are getting information from people above you, and then you need to transfer that to people below you in the hierarch- hierarchical chain. Um, these people that you manage don't have the context that you have because they did not speak to the people who manage you. So it's very important that you transfer the information in a way they will understand, even if they don't have that additional context. Uh, and I mean, the, the third thing I would say, which is I think very relevant in the age of COVID, when you work with people remotely, because i was uh working remotely with with most people it's very very important to make time to build rapport yeah if if you only focus on the to-do list it will never grow into a strong relationship and you need a strong relationship because there will be times when things get tough and people get stressed and you know It can be messy. So take time to learn who you work with. Ask them about themselves or their dreams or their hopes or their fears or their family or their girlfriend or their boyfriend. This is not an excuse to waste time at work. I think there's certainly value in doing that. Uh, And it's not just HR that should be doing that. It's the job of any manager to do that it's tricky because you can lose the you know the boundaries uh, that mm. th- there has to be some sort of boundary between the manager and the um, mana, managed person but it th- th- that, that that should be on your mind how to how to create a relationship and make work enjoyable for the people you manage that's a good way to think about it i think
0: and I love that you you brought up the element there of, you know, working from home, because that has been something I've noticed when chatting to other people that are maybe in larger companies, is you know, it is, you know, sometimes you have, you know, entire days where it's, you know, just jumping in and out of meetings, and you're just jumping right into the, you know, meat and potatoes of it, whereas if it was a, you know, a traditional, you know, organization, you know, you'd still be working that same eight hour day, but, you know, You would maybe go and sit down, you know, people are coming in, grabbing a seat or, you know, you bump past somebody in a a corridor, um, you know, on lunch or something like that. You know, you have these small buffer areas where, you know, you aren't just coming directly into a meeting, into the next one, everybody's there. It's, you know, you had a bit of, you know, getting up, moving or shuffling around, which, you know, right now it's very easy to, you know, really oversaturate, let's say that eight hour working day with just too much information and then everybody's just basically just overworking almost uh, despite doing the same amount of time
1: yep again uh to to go back to to the previous discussion we had i do think there's an element of managing ourselves a little bit more efficiently Um, but yeah it it, it is let's say that it's easier to get overworked this at this period
0: indeed but uh, nevertheless, it has been absolutely fantastic fantastic chatting to you, George. If um, people wanted to learn more about yourself um, how you could help them out if they're wanting to, you know, let's say, start or grow their e-commerce presence, where would hmm. be the, the best places to look and find out about your stuff? I'm very easy to talk
1: to and very easy to find. Just search for my name on, on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is George Kapernaros so That's K-A-P-E-R-N. A-R-O-S shoot me a message and if we are a good fit I'll let you know and if we are not I'll also let you know
0: To all our lovely listeners I hope you enjoyed listening to this wonderful interview with George Caponeros. Sadly as you know Louise couldn't join us but they'll be back next week with another normal episode of BizPod so do stay tuned for that you know, I absolutely love it when on this podcast we get to chat to people who are from seemingly entirely different departments and industries from ourselves, but we can find some commonalities and some similarities, and I think this interview with George highlights that. So do give his social channels a wee gander because he is doing incredible stuff. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, please do drop us a wee review on Apple Podcasts. And alternatively, if you're still up for supporting us, we are on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn pages. So be sure to search at NAC Media LLP to find out more info. And alternatively, if you are more fond of Yoden email, of course, you can send us a lovely message at info at NAC Nakamedia.co.uk. and of course if you're like george and are thinking about starting up a podcast and you'd like a little bit of support with that this is something we've started growing into of course you're listening to bizpod right now you may have listened to as well a2 millennial or popcorn profile fantastic podcast if you haven't uh, more info on our website of course but nevertheless if you're thinking about starting out we've been helping out with digital production hosting and uh, consulting So if you want to learn more about that, that would be knackmedia.co.uk forward slash podcasting. And of course, on our wonderful website, as per usual, best place to find out more about what we do, our services and our portfolio. So do give that website a gander. You shan't be disappointed. And I think on that note, uh, it's time to say goodbye, love yous and leave yous. And of course, how could I not? Au revoir.